Awakened Reality Podcast, JFK Assassination. Welcome back to Awaken Reality Podcast, and Bill apparently wants to introduce his beer before our guest. A lot of you folks don't know about Switchback because, A, you're not cool. No, I was kidding. But it, you're not from up here. But, you know, Switchback Ale is like a staple out here. And I got to tell you, if you haven't tried it, you really should. Um, I got this. I usually try to get something really exotic. This really isn't exotic out here in New Hampshire, Vermont area. But um, it may be to you. So if you're ever trying to smuggle cigarettes or, or you know, illegal anything out of Vermont in, into New Hampshire or New York, you know, grab some of this stuff because it's really, really good. So, yeah, that's me. And, How it's, about you? and it's unfiltered, just like this podcast. And you know what else? <laughs> Talk about unfiltered. Who is that guy? Who is that guy? So you know, cool. Corey, uh, this is Corey Armstrong, our, our guest, and we don't really want to know much about you, but we do want to know what you're drinking tonight. I'm drinking Bell's Two-Hearted Ale uh, out of Michigan. Um, it is not, although there are many, many craft brews, as Bill mentioned, available to me here in, in Vermont and New Hampshire. Uh, I've taken a liking to this one in my travels, and uh, now they've started selling it around here. It's a great beer. It's an American pale ale. I enjoy it. And uh, so what expertise are you bringing to this uh, podcast today? Well, I have watched TV um, and uh, I know that John F. Kennedy existed. He was a president. Um, he was killed. And uh, LBJ was also a president following John F. Kennedy. So really, I think I have most, more background than most Americans at this point. Uh, Almost even with us, Steve, I'm telling you that right now. I mean, you know, we, we're just working on the cuff here, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Uh, so let's see. I'm drinking Mountain Ale, which I drank, I think, an episode or two ago, mainly because I haven't gotten through it yet. And uh, so I haven't replenished my, my stock. So I'm real boring. I, I'm just rehashing old podcast beers. So <laughs> sorry for that. Actually, this is the same day. See, Steve just changed clothes. <laughs> Keep on. <laughs> It's literally the same beer. Like it's, it's not the same even, beer. It's, it's not put, the same six pack of beer. It's the exact same beer that you opened last time. I only finished half of it, and then I put some tin foil on the top. Waited a week, <laughs> hitting it again. So, uh, so where have we? Uh, where did we leave off last time, Steve? You know. So our last episode, we began with Lyndon Johnson. Um, we we were introducing Lyndon Johnson. We got through exactly two thirds of a page, um, out of probably nine. So we have a bit left to go on Lyndon Johnson. Yeah. I think we covered the basics and we hit really his, uh, we said all the good stuff that we could say about him, um, which actually is a decent amount. You know, he, he, we mentioned not to rehash, but we mentioned that he, um, that he expanded civil rights passed the, or was, you know, helped pass the civil rights bill. Um, he expanded public broadcasting, Medicare, Medicaid, increased aid to education, engaged in a war on poverty. So he did a lot of great things. We also mentioned the, the uh, Vietnam War, which he um, 
greatly increased our involvement over there. And so that was, <coughs> I think many people view that as a negative. It's you the know, Voting Rights Act too, right? Um, a, 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 a recorded uh, conversation where they asked Lyndon Baines Johnson, they said, you know, why, Lyndon Baines Johnson actually said, you know, people always ask me, why did I go into Vietnam and why did I stay there so long? And then he goes, he goes, you know, I didn't start Vietnam. We were with Vietnam 10 years before it started. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. When, you, when you increase the number of troops from 9,000 to about 570,000, oh, you, sure. have, you have some involvement or some culpability. Um, we're going to, it's, first of all, we're going to just talk a little bit about his um, personality, some of his characteristics. We're going to get into his presidential campaign, um, his time as vice president, his time as president. And, uh, and if we have time, we'll get into um, a few scandals that he was involved in and um, some of his connections, we might say. Mm. So some real colorful stuff. Our last episode on Johnson was kind of stuff that had been rehashed before, you know, that you probably read about in history class. Though I don't remember reading about it in history class, but but we're going to get into going to get into some other sorts of stuff. I don't either <laughs> remember reading anything about Johnson in history class. I know. I don't remember learning that he signed the the Civil Rights Act or the Voting Rights Act. I do remember he was president after after Kennedy. I think that's about the only thing they taught us in history. And a hot second after Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like the body was still warm, right? And Jackie, yes. I think Jackie had blood on her jacket, didn't she, in that picture? Yeah. Sad. Hey, yeah, we'll get there. That was yeah. horrible. Imagine, though. Honestly, I mean, what? we should have like a whole podcast just about Jackie. I mean, she wasn't the, an angel. But I got to tell you, I mean, just the class and the dignity this woman had that day. Mm -hmm to do and say the things that she did, you know, without breaking down was just incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. So. Well, Johnson uh, pressured her to take that photograph so quickly. Yeah. yeah. So I always yeah. thought that was interesting. That comes into play a little later. A lot of conspiracy behind that one. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, take a, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've started digging into videos and pictures, hardcore. Uh, and as Steve, as you know, I found a, a video with a picture who I, I believe was George Bush mm -hmm. uh, in it, uh, proving that George Bush was part of the CIA before Kennedy was killed. Um, you know, look up uh, Zapata Oil. <laughs> anyway, um, well, he was he was he was director of the CIA, wasn't he? Like I, like in the seventies or in the seventies, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking nineteen sixty three when when uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot to go all around that, but you know he. Um, yeah, that was just some interesting stuff I've been diving into, just trying to look into videos and pictures and, and see if I can connect certain things because I don't think people dig enough into that. Like who's in the background of that picture or who's, in, who's walking around in the background of that particular video? And, you know, if you're oh. trying to research about anything, just re-look at the same things over and over and over and there's like, I don't know, name it, name anything. Uh, shooter on a grassy knoll. If you put that in <laughs> to, to, to Google and hit videos, you're going to watch videos all day long. But, you know, you could do that. Great thing about it is once you start knowing what those videos look like, you're going to notice inconsistencies in certain videos that show the same thing. Some videos are cut in certain spots. Others aren't. 
you know mm. so and i think a lot of people aren't digging in that deep that's the kind of stuff that i like to do because i'm more visual Mm-hmm. So I'll get there and I'll sit there and I'll watch that kind of stuff like a, like a freaking animal. I'll sit there for hours and go, wait, frame one, boop, wait, who's that? Frame two, bloop. It's crazy. But I know for a fact that, that I'll find some sort of information somewhere that nobody's going to have the time or the effort, you know, to do. And, and so that's, that's kind of, you know, kind of what I do for my research. I dig it. All right. So let's see. Let's see if we can get to the first, uh, my first note <laughs> out of the nine pages we have remaining. Note one. Okay, so uh, Lyndon Johnson, characteristics. Uh, by all accounts, he was a terrible and unpleasant person. That's kind of my, uh, my main note about him. Uh, so uh, regarding how unpleasant he was, um, he was so bad that really um, anything you could say, he was so bad. You know, it was like we say, how good looking was JFK? He was so good looking. Well, that's how bad or unpleasant um, Johnson was. Um, This is what this guy, uh, um, Ben Bradley, he was a uh, Washington Post editor. He said that, quote, anyone who came into contact with him was at risk of encountering a spectacle of burping, farting, nose picking, and and crotch scratching. Um, And uh, Congressman Richard Bowling said... I wouldn't say Johnson was vulgar. He was a barnyard. Wow. Uh, He had no sense of personal space. And uh, supposedly, anytime you had a conversation with him, this guy would be all over you physically, grabbing you, pulling you, literally pulling you in to his personal space. Um, I mean, people said, uh, this is another quote from Ben, Ben Bradley, he said that after a conversation, you really felt as if a St. Bernard had licked your face for an hour, had pawed you all over. So So this was was Lyndon Johnson. He was like Donald Trump if Donald Trump had a brain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this is a guy, he's six, I think he was like six feet, like four inches tall, something like that. I'm probably getting that wrong. He was an enormous guy. He's a big guy. Who's who's and speaking of big, um, I know this is what everybody wanted to get get to quickly in this uh, podcast. Literally, the only reason I agreed to do the podcast. Go ahead. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> he nicknamed he nicknamed his penis Jumbo because he thought it was so enormous, and he would whirl it around while he was in the bathroom and say, "Wooey! Have you ever seen anything as big as this?" That's my bad uh, do it. Johnson impersonation. Do it again. Do it no, again. no, 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 you used to do it. You do do better impersonations than I do. I remember what you said. Just do it. Oh, do it. Uh, you yeah. said, have you ever seen anything as big as this? Now, 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 folks, take that that Steve just gave you, cut the video and record it and make a meme with music. Okay? Do that and send it back. I want to see what it is. It'll be fun. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Wait, I want to hear your impression though, Bill. You do one, I'll do one. We'll all we'll all go on record saying we I'll I'll go first. Woo! You ever seen anything this big? Woo! Look at that piece. Ain't it big? <laughs> I think we just doubled our our subscriptions. <laughs> so he was uh not really very nice um to women either. Um, there are tons of stories of um, 
him groping women, any women who happened to be around him that he, that he kind of took a fancy to. He felt like he could just kind of grab them. That was something that he, he thought was all right. What, the, what, did he, what did he grab them by? By the... <laughs> I don't know, maybe, maybe <laughs> a guy talking in the shower or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing nobody ever recorded him in a locker room yeah, or on a that bus. Be very bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's one of his former staffers, Yolanda Boozer, um, said that Johnson hey. would comment... If any female White House employee gained any weight, he would, he would tell her, like, you need to start dieting now. We can't have you around like this. Wow. So this is the kind of stuff. I wonder if this was more common back then, but I think he was bad even for his time. I think he was kind of notorious for this sort of behavior. You know, and um, while, while it might not be exactly what he would say, I'm sure people get the point. I mean, you can be misogynistic with, you know, without being specific about what you say. You know, so he, he was just a, just not a nice guy. Yeah, and, and for a guy who was known as, you know, he's probably best known for pushing the Civil Rights Act through, um, the way that he acted towards others and kind of spoke, like he was very, he was known for using the N-word. Um, he referred to manual labor as N-word work. That's kind of... Yeah, I'm not going to say it out loud. Sorry. I, I don't understand. I, I, what? Do you know the N-word that, like, white people aren't allowed to say? Talking about. All right. Well, anyway, you tell me what you think it is, and then we'll move on. Well, anyway, he would say that it was that word, work. That was That's really what manual labor was. <sighs> so it's kind of ironic, the guy who passed the Civil Rights Act. I'm glad he passed it, but it's a little bit ironic. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, he was pretty, he was pretty uh, powerful you know, in Texas, um, he could basically say and do a lot of anything he wanted to, even before he was the vice president. So, <laughs> is that where he was from? Was Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that comes into no play shit. big time as things go on. Without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I never knew that. <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah, we'll get into that. I mean, we don't get into the biggest, um, like we get into the. Texas connections and all of what was going on in Texas a little later on in our notes. We're not going to get to that today, but yeah, Texas is a big thing. If you think about the, if you think about Texas, JFK was murdered there. Johnson was, was from there. Bush was from there. Um, Nixon was there the day of the assassination uh, Hang on. In, in Dallas. Hang on. Nixon never said he said he was, he didn't know where he was. Nixon said that many times. First, but most, I think most people think he was there, though. Yeah, he, he. I mean, but the thing is, I mean, come on, you know, I, I over the probably over a hundred different documentaries, you know, and 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 uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, people visiting places and doing lectures. One of the first things they always ask, right? Mm. How many people remember where they were? <laughs> you know, Every single person, oh, yeah, I was here, I did that, I did blah, blah, you know, but George Bush, you know, uh, sorry, that's, that'll be edited out, that's my damn dogs. George Bush, you know, uh, and Nixon, when, when and asked, Nixon. Yeah. and Nixon, yeah, oh, I, 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 I don't know where I was, <laughs> yeah, even while, and, and while George Bush, there, there's a um, phone call made by George Bush out of Dallas yeah. on the day of the 22nd. Yeah. And witnesses placing both him and many witnesses, not just one, like a bunch of them. So 
are you guys? I, I'm just trying to keep up. But are you guys saying that both Richard Nixon and George H. W. Bush might have lied? <laughs> Hey, you know, we're, we're just messengers of the truth. I mean, you know, I, you know, we're not here to make assumptions. It's, it's kind of, it's my brain that's all over the car seat right now. I mean, that's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, that was crude, but awesome. <laughs> oh, I saw, I saw the most inappropriate joke. I, I, I can't say it right now because I just can't, but remind me, I'll tell it to you. It was, it's the worst joke I've ever seen. Literally the worst joke I've ever seen. So, All right. Well, why aren't you going to tell it to us? Because Everybody. there might be people listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just can't. It's not a family show, but Steve's recording in a family setting. I got. It. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I saw it. I was just like my eyes boggled, <laughs> and and I was like, oh my goodness! I didn't think. I thought I had heard the worst joke that it was possible to make, but no, this is worse. This is worse. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that'll be fun. I'll tell you that at some point. Let's uh, continue with Johnson because we got to get. I'm trying to get through this stuff. So uh, it, half a page through. <laughs> no, we're doing okay. I'm trying to rush us through some of this. Uh, and I feel like I'm kind of covering some of the same territory, but I really want to kind of drive it in. Um, people said that not only was he kind of nasty in the way, like physically nasty when you dealt with him, mm-hmm. he, he used mm-hmm. physical intimidation was part of his politics. Mm-hmm. Like he, when, when talking with other, other politicians, he would back them into a wall and, and intimidate them, scare them with his body. <laughs> this, sorry, go. this form of intimidation, or he considered it kind of cajoling to try to get what he wanted. It was so famous that it actually had a name at the time. Um, people called it the treatment, quote, the treatment. And um, it said that it, it could... Sometimes he, w- he was very powerful. He was the, I mean, we talked about in the last podcast, we mentioned that he, he spent a decent amount of time as the majority leader in the Senate. And so he was like the big man on campus. And so he would, um, you know, he, w- he could just kind of get a hold of somebody and just retain them. It says regarding the treatment, it said, um, it could take place in one of Johnson's offices in the Senate cloakroom, on the floor of the Senate itself. Its tone could be supplication, accusation, cajolery, exuberance, scorn, tears, complaint, and the hint of threat. It was all of these together. It ran the gamut of human emotions. Its velocity was breathtaking, and it was all in one direction. Interjections from the target were rare. Johnson anticipated them before they could be spoken. He was smart. I'll give him that. He moved in close, his face a scant millimeter from his target, his eyes widening and narrowing, his eyebrows rising and falling. From his pockets poured clippings, memos, statistics. Mimicry, humor, and the genius of analogy made the treatment an almost hypnotic experience and rendered the target stunned and helpless. Wow. So he he really was a real politician in, in that... And I don't know that we have, at least on the Democratic side of things, I know Mitch McConnell seems to be able to kind of shepherd the Republicans, you know, where he wants them to be. But I don't know that we've seen a politician like this for a long time who, you know, rightly or wrongly is, is so effective at just kind of keeping track of everything, organizing everything, and getting what he wants. 
you know, he was, that's why he was said, people say he was the greatest Senate majority leader, maybe of all time mm -hmm. in terms of getting things done. Yeah, his political mind, I think is without, you know, question, you know, probably one of the best um, out there. Um, you know, I never was a, a, a fan of how he got things done. Um, uh, as we'll find out soon, you know, about his, uh, involvement in certain nefarious activities um you know uh, but i think overall you know he was he, i think he just wanted power i think maybe it was misguided but i mean you know who knows you know um i know he didn't, he didn't like the kennedys too much um you know well, yeah and i got the impression that as brilliant as he was he felt like they thought he was a dumbass like like they thought he was a hick and he yeah. felt like really um yeah. like alienated by the Kennedy crowd and all the like super elite, you know, yep. liberal, uh, like intellectuals. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're right on it. I mean, it's even been, you know, quoted that what they, I forget what they called them. <laughs> uh, they called them Colonel Cornpone or something. <laughs> oh yeah, I did. I did hear something about that. Yeah. <laughs> Colonel Cornpone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, I wouldn't be too happy about that either. I don't know if I'd kill him you know, or be part of it, you know, for that. But, hey, you know. Uh, so Johnson didn't really have much to do with Kennedy until 1960 when um, Johnson decided that he wanted to run for president. So um, as we mentioned in some of our earlier podcasts, back in the, 19, back in the 60s, the, the primaries were, were kind of done differently than they are now in that, like now if you run for for if you want to be the Democratic nominee, you, you pretty much run in all the primaries. Back then, they didn't do it that way. It's, it was really weird. Like some of the, the potential candidates would, they'd say, well, I'm going to run in these states and, the, and I'm not going to run in those because I want to focus here. And Johnson, he, he ran for president in 1960 and he didn't run in any of the states. He, his plan was just to not run in any of the primaries, but then get it during the um, convention was kind of the way he wanted to, to manage it. So um, back in those days, like the, the conclusion at the convention wasn't a foregone conclusion, right? Like, like different candidates could show up to the convention and when they walked in, you didn't know who was gonna end up being the nominee. Exactly, I mean, that's what happened in 1960. Kennedy, Kennedy I think was the only candidate who ran in every single primary, maybe even the only one who ran in more than 50% of them. But when he went into the, um, convention i think people thought that he was the um the front runner but but people thought that johnson had a pretty good shot too even though he hadn't run in anything <laughs> he hadn't run in a single race so yeah, it was very different um but, but he was involved though in a conspiracy of voter fraud when he was um i think something about the senate i remember reading about that um he was um covered in a conspiracy regarding the fact that the he got he got into office by such a narrow margin <laughs> wow go figure you know that um you know there was big questions about voter fraud you talking know? about johnson when he first got in yeah when he first got almost in certainly almost certainly it, 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 there was fraud in that so even though johnson didn't run in the primaries it still was a very contentious um race between him and JFK. Um, so Johnson announced his candidacy on July 5th and immediately began attacking um, John F. Kennedy. Um, 
LBJ's backers um, reminded everybody about Kennedy's response to Joe McCarthy. So they thought like um, Kennedy kind of stood up against McCarthyism to a certain extent, not really as strongly as I would have preferred that he, he had, but to a certain extent, he stood up against McCarthyism. And back in 1960, it was good politics for Johnson, a Democrat, to attack Kennedy for that. <laughs> it's a different era, right? Like Although, being, I don't know. Being I like, for, for being like a commie sympathizer? Yeah. Yeah. Although, uh, and, uh, I mean, I tend to edit out some of my uh, um, more current political comments, but I will say that I thought there was a lot of McCarthyism in in the the primaries this time, you know, kind of anti-communist attacks against Bernie. So I don't think that the idea of the Democratic Party kind of taking the McCarthyist route is, is completely gone. So, and if you're, I mean, you know, uh, LBJ had a lot of influence in Texas, right? So the fact that he was attacking Kennedy in the beginning, mm -hmm. right, don't think you know, that the, the good old boys didn't forget that back in Texas. And it made it harder, at least in, in Kennedy's mind, to get his bid in, in the southern states, especially Texas, for his reelection, mm -hmm. which is why he had to, he felt he had to go to those states to mend fences. Yeah. The Democratic side. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and, and isn't that like, to some extent, why he wanted that big parade in the convertible? So like, he was kind of like trying to extend an olive branch a little bit to the to oh. Texas yep. as a as a as a people. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been working on the notes. And that's where he got shot, right? Dallas. <laughs> oh, oh, you're trolling us. I'm trolling a little bit. I think Corey is more informed than he lets on. Uh oh. There's something about you that we don't know. There's absolutely I'm an open book. It's like I'm just thinking of Donald Trump, like not, not not even in terms of politics or anything, but just like his personality, his personality and his the way he conducts himself in business negotiations or, or political discussions or anything like that. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I mean, I would have thought and we kind of got sidetracked a little bit, Bill, but I mean, before Trump had been elected and we're not talking about the politics of it, but I would have questioned is it possible for somebody with a personality similar to Johnson's to get elected now? You know, somebody who, you know, grabs women and does that kind of stuff. Like, I'd be like, back in the 60s, you know, the press, they didn't ask questions. They didn't dig into that stuff. They didn't want to know about it. And so it is interesting. So apparently people like, you know, somebody who's, let's say, rougher around the edges, if you want to put it that way, can still get elected now. And, and, Maybe it's because people care more about po the policies than about the person. I don't know. You know, I, I mean, you know, we have different opinions maybe about Trump's policies, but maybe the people who voted for him, they were willing to overlook that because they thought that he would do good things for the American people. I mean, I don't know. Um, I, mean, I think that of anybody they vote for. I mean, I, I you know, I... Um, and 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 to kind of add a little bit to your 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 uh, what you said about uh, you know can um, can this kind of a person be you know uh, you know elected a president? Well, I, I would uh, submit that there isn't one politician <laughs> that 
you know, that isn't in some way, shape or form corrupt. Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, anytime anybody gets in any, any kind of position, they're going to be scrutinized from, you know, whatever side of the fence feels they need to, you know, so it really doesn't make too much of a difference. I mean, you know, when you get that high up in office, you, you haven't gotten there because you're, uh, you know, a goody two shoes, you know. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. But, but like on, on the subject of LBJ, like I would almost argue that although he's maybe an outsized example of it, like the polit like the, the political um, personality who's like outside of the establishment who like really, they're just bringing the same kind of wisdom that they grew up with, that they were taught in school, you know, that they learned on the farm. They're bringing that same kind of wisdom to Washington. You know, that, yeah. that like ideal has pervaded American politics to, to this day. Like, so that, I mean, who, who nowadays runs on a successful platform of, I'm a Washington insider, I know <laughs> politics, I know how to get around, you know, the city and, and like, and I know who's like, you know. But you know how many people go, Corey, don't get it though? They, 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 they don't, if, 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 you, if you don't dig, you don't understand you know, the, the whole idea of politics. I mean, it goes all the way back to high school, right? I mean, who, like I tell Steve all the time and everybody I know, you know, when, when you went to the prom, you know, what was it all about, right? Um, it, when you said, okay, who's a prom king and a prom queen? Who's a president of the, of the student body? Yeah, right? the president of our student body was this total loser. Um, he was. And, he was. Really? Yeah, oh, he was a total loser. loser. Everybody hated him. I don't know how he got elected. Long hair, big beard, kind of fat and like. Oh, he got the vote somehow. He Maybe did. somehow. I don't know. It must have been pity votes. His competition wasn't very steep. <laughs> <laughs> since and since then, since JFK, like really, who has, who has run and won, on the like on the trip of being an elitist like nobody and and i i, I feel like george maybe trump but 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 trump's trump's an outlier because he's a legit he is legitimately a washington outsider like he's not whatever he was before he became president he was not a washington insider you know but, See, I, but think, I think i think george w bush is a great example of of the lbj syndrome because yeah. like because he like he ran as like a rancher from Texas, like an oil man, like a like a swaggering, like you know, horse riding, cowboy hat wearing. He was a fucking bush. Yeah, he was a bush, and he <laughs> he he went to Harvard, and he but he ran as like this country bumpkin from Texas, you know, who like doesn't speak Washingtonese, you know. I speak Texas, and it, but he got a, but he knew that he couldn't run as a Harvard graduate. He couldn't run as like he he was in the Skull and Bones Club and the son of you know the last president and director of the CIA. He had to run as like a good old boy, and that's what got him elected. Well, See, I think there were two people who two presidents that were ran as elitists in some sense. One is I think Reagan to a certain extent. He was a Hollywood guy. Hollywood elite. Yeah. And I think Obama as a cultural elite. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't like old guard elite, but he was, I, I think he was a, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I think that he's not a man. He wasn't a man of the people in any, in any way, shape or form. He was entirely above in some, some other way. And that's kind of how he ran ran that campaign i would argue at least yeah yeah i mean i think you know ultimate power 
corrupts ultimately. You know, I, I think there's a lot to that. Um, I just, from all of the things that I've learned and researched over the last few years, it's, it's just, you know, it, there is no, you know, there are no good guys <laughs> in, in politics. I mean, there's always some sort of, um, somebody's got a hold of you somehow, mm-hmm. some way. And you the know, problem is they, a lot of them start out, even if they start out as good guys, they end up over time. I, I do think it's, I mean, it's just, it's a personal philosophy that I've kind of thought about a lot over the last few years where, you know, having even just success, even if you're not rich, like wealth tends to corrupt people, but even success mm-hmm. com- results in complacency. It results in a deterioration in your determination to bring good about in the world. And it seems to be almost universal. Like it's so hard to find people who are successful in in one form or another who kind of keep that hunger and desire to kind of help others. Mm -hmm. Lots of people do good in a way that doesn't impact themselves. The only billionaire gives away a hundred million dollars, you know. But you know what about though, right? When, when, I read, I did some research about what happens to both nominees uh, just in case they become president. I, I guess the Secret Service sits down with each nominee, each person that is, is running, um, and they let them in on certain types of information that they never would have been privy to if they weren't in that position that they were in on either side of the fence, right? And I think anytime that anyone learns about that, I think that, that if you think you're going to be doing good for the country, <laughs> it's over. Yeah. It's over right then and there. They're going to sit down and go, okay, so you think you know, right? Come here. Take a look. Here's, what, here's what's coming yeah. as you become that. You know, uh, here's what we're hiding. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's why you're not going to say a damn thing about it when you become president. <laughs> you know, and, and what do you do then? I mean, you know, what do you do? You got kids. And again, Steve and I, Steve, we talked about this. You know, what do you do? You know, do you fight it? Do you put your family and, and, and you know, dare say your whole generation in, in, in jeopardy and danger? Or, or do you just kind of go, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know. So let's, uh, let's keep going. Um, so we're in the middle of the 1960 presidential campaign, and uh, we mentioned that LBJ had begun attacking Kennedy right off the bat. Um, he also attacked um, Kennedy's absenteeism as a senator. Um, one of his popular flyers said, where was Jack? It's funny how these attacks kind of come around again, and that might have been a, a legitimate um, attack on Kennedy, although I think part of the reason why he was not around so often in the Senate was because he was sick so much of the time. Kennedy missed a decent amount of time as a senator because of various illnesses. Um, and that actually led to um, another one of Johnson's attacks on Kennedy where he, he publicly asked for an evaluation of JFK's health. And he stated that JFK had Addison's disease and he questioned whether Kennedy um, was healthy enough to serve as president which technically he probably wasn't. I mean, I think we discussed that he seemed to be able, like technically he probably wasn't healthy enough to be president. Mm-hmm. Somehow he made it work. So I guess he was healthy enough, but if people knew how sick he was, people would have said, no, no, we can't have him as president. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, all, all the, 
cortisone shots he got for his back. You know, it was funny. Uh, when he came off of the uh, of Air Force One on November 22nd, 1963, the, the one of the commentators said, oh, here, and here comes the president and, and the first lady now, and I, and I can see the president's tan from here. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is, right, it wasn't really his tan. I mean, it could have been. He, he was an avid sailor, but that's part of what happened because of the, all the things that have gone wrong with him and his Atticus disease medicine had given him this hue. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah, that's why he had a tan. It was his sickness that made him, made him have a tan. <laughs> Would that we all get more tan when we get sick, right? That'd be <laughs> <laughs> you don't want what he had, man. No, you, I know. I know. <laughs> if you, if you, uh, if any of our listeners want to listen to one of our earlier podcasts where we talk about his health issues, probably yeah. one of the first episodes we did. Oh my lord, you do not want to live his life. It was bad, huh? Oh, suffering, nonstop suffering from his teenage years onward. Just that's essentially his life was suffering and women in power. That's what his life was. Um, so, oh, move, right? <laughs> I have to ask: What well, have you guys done? Covered Sylvia at all? Who? Sylvia? I think it's Sylvia. Sylvia Kennedy, his sister, who had a lobotomy. Oh, um, yeah, we did. I don't know that that was her name. I can't remember. But, yeah, we covered that. That was too okay. bad. Yeah. Yep. Looks like you're acting up a little bit too much. We need to uh, uh, <laughs> bring you to the doctor. And uh, next thing you know, you won't say anything for another 30 years. <laughs> yeah, poor girl. Yeah, that was, that was a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah. So the um, – Carol? Yeah, I'm sure. So Johnson actually met with Eisenhower during the presidential campaign. I'm at the White House. Rose, yeah. Rosemary, sorry, Rosemary Kennedy. Go ahead. Okay, that's right. Proceed. Rosemary, I, that's close. Sylvia, no, it's, it's not. I, actually, I can feel like totally they're the same. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Proceed. <laughs> so Eisenhower told journalist Earl Mazzo that Johnson regarded Kennedy, quote, as a mediocrity in the Senate, as a nobody who had a rich father. And, and Iser said um, they, that they, actually Johnson and Rayburn, I forget, is it Josh Rayburn? I forget Rayburn's for you, he was another senator. John Rayburn, maybe. Um, he said that they told him some of the goddamnedest God stories about Kennedy. And they told Eisenhower that, quote, for the good of the country, you cannot let that man become elected president. Now, he might get the nomination out there. He probably will, but he is a dangerous man. So Johnson kind of appealed to Eisenhower, and they wanted Eisenhower, who was very popular. Um, mm -hmm. They wanted him to say something publicly to try to block JFK. Um, but Eisenhower wasn't concerned because he thought that he knew how popular he was, and he knew that his vice president, Nixon, was going to get the nomination. And he thought that it was inevitable that Nixon would, would pummel Kennedy in the general election. So that's what... That Nixon was just a lackey for Prescott Bush. Yeah. <laughs> and who is Prescott Bush? Da -da -da. Is that H.W.'s father? Oh, yeah. yeah, we get into that Good pretty Lord. soon. We get into Prescott Bush, the Nazi sympathizer. In a couple really? of uh, 
episode. We pretend this isn't a monarchy, right? If we ever did one of these things like the cops do, like when they, you know, yeah, yeah, when they draw the pull the side. string. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But isn't isn't the Nixon and you guys probably already talked about this, but isn't the Nixon Kennedy race? Isn't that where it was like the first televised debate and Nixon looked like absolute shit in a suit because that's what he looked like. <laughs> and Kennedy was just like 43 or something and like wicked handsome and everybody. He was so good made looking. decision based on that. Steve, how, how good looking? He was so good looking. Oh, really? How good looking was he? <laughs> so good looking. And he wore makeup and Nixon didn't wear makeup. Nixon was like, <laughs> oh, I mean, I was like, poor guy. <laughs> this, Corey, you may or may not know that most folks thought that Nixon won the debate if they just listened to it. But if you yeah. saw it on TV, everybody thought Kennedy won the debate. Well, Jesus, nowadays, like, you, you, there are debates, and like half of the news stories the next day are fucking like body language analyses. Like, you know, oh, how was so-and-so standing? Like, what did this look mean? You know, what it, when they made this face, it really put off voters. It's like, Here's a Lord. You're going, you're right. You <laughs> hate so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because the TV told me to. Ah. Yep. So uh, some of Johnson's remarks started to piss off the Kennedys. Um, especially Bobby Kennedy, and we'll get into um, his relationship with Johnson, which was terse. Um, but but uh, Bobby Kennedy said, quote, I knew he hated Jack, but I didn't think he hated him that much. Um, and then when, um, when Bobby Baker, who was one of um, Johnson's aides, um, complained that um, Ted Kennedy, a very young Ted Kennedy, was putting out um, stories about um, Johnson's heart condition. Uh, Bobby Kennedy said, quote, you've got your nerve. Lyndon Johnson has compared my father to the Nazis and John Connolly, who we'll be talking about later, lie. and now John Connolly, he was the governor of Texas. And what, I don't know if he was at that point, but he was later. And he was essentially um, one of Johnson's guys. Um, he lied by saying my brother was dying of Addison's disease. You Johnson people are running a stinking damned campaign and you'll get yours when the time comes. It sounds just like a person who's about to offer Johnson a vice presidency position, doesn't it? It yeah. doesn't to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> <laughs> Although it does sound a little bit like this phrase. That's the last time the Kennedys are going to make fun of me, and you and you and, and you, something like uh, uh, and you better believe that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Paraphrasing, obviously, but a, a so-called phrase that came from Lyndon B. Johnson to his uh, his love muffin um, a few days before Kennedy was killed. After he came out of a meeting of the minds with a whole bunch of people that we'll talk about later that will remain unsaid. Wow. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I love this um, this quote from Schlesinger. Do you remember his name? Arthur Schlesinger, I think his first name is. Um, he, his quote is, no affection 
contaminated the relationship between the vice president and the attorney general, <laughs> meaning uh, Johnson and uh, and uh, Bobby Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. It was a pure case of mutual dislike. Seventeen years, six inches in height, southwestern exaggeration against Yankee understatement. Um, Robert Kennedy liked to keep his distance. Johnson didn't. They were very different, and I guess they just they just hated each other um, completely. Yep. But ultimately, it was it was um, Bobby Kennedy. Once um, once John F. Kennedy had secured the nomination, it was Bobby Kennedy who was sent after all of this to go and formally offer the um, vice presidency to Lyndon Johnson. And what's actually yeah. interesting about this is that um, I guess they offered it to Johnson and then they wanted to take it back. Like there's a, there's a lot of, um, uh, there was some disagreement amongst historians and amongst some of the, the players uh, about what actually happened. Um, but they definitely offered it to him and then Kennedy kind of got cold feet and he decided that he didn't really want Johnson in the um, administration. And so, and he also thought that maybe Johnson might not feel as strongly about getting it after all, because, you know, he was a very, he was, you know, one of the most powerful people in Washington. He was the, the powerful Senate majority leader. And, um, and as vice president, you know, vice presidents don't have, you know, a ton of power. So he thought maybe he would be ambivalent about it. And so he thought maybe we could talk him out of, out of, you know, taking the vice presidency. But supposedly what happened is, according to Bobby Kennedy, he went back to Johnson and said, well, you know, maybe we should rethink this. You know, you thought maybe it would be better if you were in the, you know, remained as Senate majority. And according to Bobby Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson started crying. Like tears came to his eyes and he said like, oh, I want, no, no, I really want to be vice president. It, and he said, quote, this is according to Bobby Kennedy, I want to be vice president. And if the president will have me, I'll join with him in making a fight for it. And then Bobby Kennedy reversed course and said, well, then that's fine. He wants you to be vice president if you want to be vice president. And so in the end, obviously, they, they made him vice president. While Adam Stevenson cringed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think Adelaide... Well, I think there was some talk about having Adelaide Stevenson, who um, was thought of as being a very... He would be now thought of as a super progressive. He was kind yeah. of like the Bernie Sanders of the 1960s. I mean, he was our first choice. I think Kennedy was talked out of Adelaide Stevenson, and, and, and they went to Johnson. And I, I don't know what that was about. You know, I mean, but maybe it was because of his power in the South, and maybe he was thinking already years ahead towards his reelection. Well, Kennedy didn't like either. He didn't like Adlai Stevenson, or he didn't dislike him personally, but he no. thought he was too progressive, too liberal. He thought that he was, um, he didn't think that he would work well with him, but he thought that, well, maybe I'll go in that direction and fire up the base, you know? So he yeah. made a decision. Do I go with you know, nowadays you think if we were doing a parallel, let's say Biden is JFK. That's a terrible analogy. But let's just say Biden is JFK. And you're saying, okay, well, I'm, I got, I'm about to pick a vice president. Do I pick somebody like a Bernie Sanders 
who is going to fire up the base, or do I go with a centrist like a Lyndon Johnson and try to get you know, some Republicans, people who are more in the center. And Kennedy decided in the end to go with the quote unquote centrist. So did that, did that story about, about Lyndon B. Johnson crying, did that come from Bobby Kennedy? It did, yes. I, and- I bet, you know what, I wonder, did Bobby get the treatment? Like, I bet <laughs> he got the whole fucking thing. Like, I bet, I bet LBJ backed him against the wall yelled at him, cried at him, laughed at him, did the whole gamut of his treatment. And Bobby Kennedy, like, just gave up, right? Because that, that was his style, right? LBJ, if he, had, if he had a strong opinion about something, he'd just crush somebody verbally, you know, wear them down until they agreed with him. And then Bobby Kennedy was tough as nails, by all accounts. He was pretty uh, harsh, um, of course, he had the power, you know, the privilege and the power to be that way. But and then it, you got to think about this, though, Corey. I mean, if you had your choice and you needed to kill somebody to, to advance your agenda, would you kill the person who had kind of the, the, the most power in your mind or the one you think that would hurt him the most? The mob hated Bobby Kennedy because, you know, the agreement to – allow JFK to win the presidency, you know, da da da, and all the conspiracy behind that was you'll leave us alone. You'll you'll leave, you know, we'll help you with your, you know, with your, you know, getting into the presidency. But when you become president, you need to let us kind of do our thing with organized crime here, you know, and then leave us alone. So you need to call off the dogs, right? You need to call off Bobby Kennedy, basically, is what it was. Didn't even know Bobby Kennedy was going to do it. They just said, "Leave us alone, right? Yeah. We want security. When you're president, you're going to leave us alone." And Kennedy's dad said, "Sure, don't worry, we'll take care of it." Well, nobody told Bobby Kennedy because when Jack oh. Kennedy was president, he nominated his son as a district attorney. <laughs> First thing Bobby did was, "We're going to crack down on organized crime." <laughs> oh, no, they didn't like that night. So what do you do? If you're the head of the head of the mob or many mobsters and they said they're going to do this, would you feel, may I quote the name of a book written by uh, some prominent mobsters relatives, double cross? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you're going to kill somebody, don't kill the president or don't kill Bobby just because Bobby's the one that's actually doing it. How are you going to do that? What they would say is you cut the tail off the dog, right? And yeah. you got to kill, you kill Jack Kennedy and Bobby will just, 